This is Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks, and welcome to my podcast series, The Voice of Leadership. Last time, I shared some ideas, predominantly from my husband, about the success strategies for 35 years of marriage in our case. And today, I'm going to continue that conversation by really talking about marriage success strategies in general. And I would like to just quickly review some of the things that we talked about last time. So last time, we talked about keeping the Holy Spirit as the central cord or the single cord or strand in the marriage. Number two, having similar backgrounds that you can relate to each other from. In our case, it was having our fathers as spiritual leaders in our families. Number three is a love for the word of God that orients our lives. Number four was having a multicultural background. And we both had multicultural backgrounds from childhood straight on through to our college days. Number five was having different personalities. My husband is very much an introvert. I'm very much an extrovert. And we are successful because those can mesh together and cover more of the waterfront. Number six is that we both are professional people. So there's some understanding that happens there when two people are sharing the professional lens together. Number seven was having common goals and common interests. Number eight was liking some similar activities to do together. And I mentioned the fashion interest that we both have. And then number nine is commitment to health and healthy lifestyle. And number 10, we were both lifelong learners. So today I want to share a summarized list of of 10 items, including a few things I didn't mention last time and that my husband also said. And so we'll start in a place where you've heard this already, but number one, put God first, love God first, number one. And number two, again, going back to what my husband says, keep God in the center of your life, be led and strengthened by God from the threefold cord that is God. And one of the things I'll say about that, when Jesus was asked, what was the greatest commandment? He said that the greatest commandment is that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and strength. And so when we think about that, this is that vertical connection that we're putting first. And then number three is the horizontal, which is love and respect each other. There's a book out that's called Love and Respect, where Husbands are encouraged to love their wives because the biblical injunction to husbands is to love their wives as Christ loved the church and who loved the church so much that he sacrificed himself for the church. And that's the kind of love a husband should have for his wife, a sacrificial kind of love. And then fourthly, I would say value and leverage the differences between you. God is giving each of you what you need through each other. So my husband has attributes and qualities I don't have. I have attributes and qualities he doesn't have. So don't try to make 
the other person like you. Rather be in awe, be in wonder over the unique combination that God has put together and be willing to learn from one another. I have learned to value my husband's powers of observation, to really honor his quietness and what he's able to see in the quietness. And he also values my ability to interact with other people as well. So it's something where you don't have to make the person into yourself, just enjoy who they actually are. And what my husband says is that over the years, we've become a little more alike. He's a little less introverted than he used to be. And I actually can pretend a little bit to be a bit introverted uh, from my extroverted core and center. And then number five would be think and speak well of each other. Speak words of life over each other and about each other to other people. The words you say to other people about each other, you can't take them back. And you might see your spouse in a very different light a year or two later, 10 years down the road, or even the next day. When you poison the well by saying something that is unpleasant about your spouse outside of the relationship, this can cause long-term harm. And I would even say, be willing to spend the money to go to counseling or go to a confidential source so that you don't have to tell other people things that you might later regret. Now, of course, there are times we will share with mature Christian brothers and sisters who we know are able to handle the information and hold it in confidence. So I'm not saying never share with other people because sometimes it's that human connection in our faith circle that's most significant and most important. Just choose your confidants wisely. Everyone is not an appropriate confidant. And most of all, just to yourself, think well of your spouse. Yes, they may have some flaws. Yes, there may be some things you don't like. And I would encourage you to focus on the part that you do like. And the more you focus on what you do like and what's going well, and you compliment your spouse for those things, the higher the likelihood that you'll have more of what you like and want in the relationship. I would also say number six, identify and live out your joint ministry purpose. It's no accident that God is bringing you together. He desires to use those collective skills in a very special way. So I think that my husband and I, we serve together as adult Sunday school teachers at our church. We're part of the adult Sunday school teaching team. There are two other teachers right now who are also on that team with us, but it's a wonderful ministry that we are both committed to studying the Bible at that level and to teaching it to other people. And we can actually bounce ideas off of each other if we choose to do so. We are also both together in the prayer ministry. I happen to be the leader of the prayer ministry at our church, but my husband is a very important and integral member and part of that prayer ministry. It's something we do every week together when we're praying with the prayer group on behalf of the church and friends and others who may have special prayer requests and prayer needs. 
Also, I would say that part of our joint ministry is to be a role model for younger married people, particularly the younger married people in our church. We know that they're watching us, and I'm not a big social media person. However, my husband is, and people are watching what we do and what he posts on social media about our lives. So people are watching you as well. You want to be a role model for others who are coming behind you, and they want to know how do we walk through these married years together in success and in joy and in love and for a long period of time. We also think about our joint ministry to our nieces and our great nephews and great nieces and our great great nephew and our godchildren. God has us regularly building into their lives as well. And sometimes it'll be in choices of gifts that we may give them. It may be verbal messages we leave or written letters of encouragement, but there are ways that we are ministering to them on an ongoing basis. And then number seven, I would say thank each other, including for the small things. Sometimes we remember to thank each other for the big things, but I'm saying thank each other for the small things, the special kindnesses that are shown on any and every given day of the week. So if my husband goes to the store, the market, and he remembers that there's something particular that I like and I didn't request it or I didn't know he was going to the market, he will bring that back for me. That means a lot to me. And I can say, thank you for that. These are the small acts of service, the unexpected delights that might happen at any time. There is a certain kind of a protein drink that we each have our own ones that we like to drink in the morning. And when I'm making mine, sometimes my husband may be still asleep and he appreciates it when I make one for him too, whether he's asked for it or not, and put it in the refrigerator for him. So just the small, teeny tiny little things like that in our everyday lives. Number eight, And my husband's real big on this one. Do things together and have fun doing them. Those are his words. He would say quality time together and quality time apart as well. So I would say I enjoy when we're together. I love laughing together. I like talking and communicating, having in-depth conversations. I married a smart an intelligent man on purpose so that we could have those intellectually stimulating conversations that we both enjoy. Now, of course, he has less tolerance for it. He doesn't want it for as long as I might like. So on his list at the top would be things like jazz concerts, going out to eat, going to the movies, and other activities like bowling or something that's more active like that. Greg would also say travel much, number nine, and travel often. And when we're traveling, we're creating memories, shared memories that he actually captures in photographs that we can enjoy for many years to come. When I think about the trips outside of the country that we have taken together, a short list includes Germany and Australia and Canada, Mexico, Belgium, Tahiti, the Bahamas, those are some of the places we've gone to together. 
I happen to like some more exotic travel than my husband. And sometimes I'll go to places that he might not even consider. So in addition to those places, or he may not have had time to go either. So in addition to those places, I have been to Ghana and West Africa, Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, Italy, Spain, London, Switzerland, other places in Belgium. Because when Greg and I went to Belgium together, we went to the Flemish speaking part. When I go by myself, I go to the French speaking part. And then I've also been to Singapore as well. So enjoy activities together and enjoy the time that we also have alone. Maximize both. Number 10 would be make an impact beyond yourselves. That's really an important one. And one way I would describe it is I would say launch live and lead a living leadership legacy. That's launch, live and lead a living leadership legacy. So when I think about myself at work right now, my husband is retired. He's been retired for about 15 years. At work for me, it's about mentoring junior level psychologists, especially those who are of the faith and who want to be in corporate consulting. That's a very big priority for me in my life. My husband, when people come back and speak to us who he worked with in the military, they may have been subordinate to him in the military. All these years later, now they have moved from lieutenant status. They've gone on to be full bird colonels. Some have gone on to be general officers. And they will come back and say what an impact my husband had on them as a person just role modeling what it looks like to lead a successful military life. And so they looked at him, they saw what he did, and they patterned themselves after some of the good qualities that they saw him actually demonstrate. The same is true for his post-military civilian job that he also retired from. We often will run into those people and they always tell me, what a difference my husband made in their life and how happy they were to have him as their boss, their supervisor in that work context as well. And then together, as I said before, we both are paying deep attention to our nieces and our great nieces and nephews, and also our great great nephew and our godchildren. They are close to our heart and our living leadership legacy is also through them. Because when we're no longer here and on the planet, everything that we've shared with them, all that we've built through them continues to live through them as they pass it on to their children and also share with their friends. And we keep that living leadership legacy going through those that we touch and impact. And also, I would say, in addition to being a role model for younger married couples, just think about younger men and women in general, whether they're married or not. They are watching you, whether it's in your church setting or if it's in your workplace. And so let them see something that's helpful, that's powerful, and a way to create and live leadership legacy in the home in the workplace, in the church house, in the neighborhood, wherever God has you, you can launch, you can live, you can lead living leadership legacy. So today I'd like to close by reading Philippians, the fourth chapter, 
because I talked about thinking and speaking well over one another. And so I will start with verse 8, and it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. And what I would tell you is there is always something praiseworthy to meditate on. We just have to have the eyes to see it and take the time to look for it and then call it out and be thankful for it. So enjoy your spouse, your years of marriage. May you have many years together. May you realize the ministry opportunity that God has designed for both of you collectively and enjoy being a role model and a pattern for others. You've been listening to The Voice of Leadership with me, Dr. Karen Wilson-Starks. And I want to give a special thanks to jazz saxophonist Ron McMillan for granting us permission to use his gifted music on our show. Thanks for listening. And remember to go to my website, transleadership.com, for more strategies, insights, and leadership resources.